Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Welcome, Talk Tuners, to the show where we share stories and memories connected to the music that has shaped our lives. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, Talk Tuners. Stephanie Pena here. What's going on? What's up, Steph? You know, I am so excited to hear and live vicariously through some of the shows you recently saw, Stephanie. Yeah, it's been a show palooza for me, a little mini palooza for me. Um, yeah. It's been very exciting, y'all. So over, I would say over the course of the past month or so, um, since this will be released, I saw two strong, amazing, groundbreaking female artists in two different genres of music, um, major names. And I'm going to start with Queen Janet Jackson. Yeah. 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 It's my second time seeing her. Talk tuners. If y'all haven't seen her before, get on it. You need to go check her out. Um, I saw her back, I want to say in 2011 in Austin, and it was at the uh, ACL Live. And that was a really intimate show because only 3,000, 3,500 people are able to fit into that theater. And yeah. So anyway, so for folks (laughs) on the line who remember like Austin City Limits back in the day, um, PBS, um, that was that, that venue itself was taken off the UT campus and made into its own theater. And it's still very small. And so a lot of big names go there. And that's where I first saw Janet. And so I thought that was going to be the it Stephanie. Like I was like, I don't need to see her anymore. Right. Um, there's no point because you can't get better than that. Oh shit. Okay. Yes, you did. (laughs) So she got a lot better (laughs) and it was awesome. So I saw on a larger scale was in Seattle at the Climate Pledge Arena. So um, definitely one more of the, you know, the shows you would regularly see her at, right? Larger than live stadium shows. It was great, Stephanie. So it was three different acts and she played for like two hours, two hours plus. Not joking. Damn. Yeah. 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 And Ludacris was before her. It was great. It was just really, really great. Everyone was on their feet from the beginning. Like you don't go to a show and not see, you know, Ludacris and sit down. No, 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 no. And it was great because like the crowd itself was really all over the map. Of course, this is Janet. This is pop music. She reaches the masses. And um, it was really, really cool to see her in on this scale versus the other one um, for other reasons, right? Just like, cause you know, you talk Stephanie all the time that you like stadium shows. Well, so do I, you know, yeah. the cool thing about this one was that this go round, she had three different acts. So she came in for a series set of songs and dressed in a certain way and, you know, belted out, did all her good shit and then took like a 10 minute break. It was like, oh, let me just come out and be more amazing for act two. And then I'm going to capture you under my spell. And then by act three, you're crying and you're just like, Janet forever. I did cry. I ain't going to fucking lie. I fucking yeah. cried. I sure did. Love me some Janet. So good. And I know you've seen her as well. So yeah. What, what did you see her, Steph? Yeah, I got to see her in 2019, and it was in Vegas at the MGM um, Arena, nice. which is pretty big. I would say it's in between um, maybe the two sizes of the venues that you saw for her. Yeah. But she, you know, she's so good because she's just that artist who, like, she just plays to the back row. And um, the friends I'd gone with, uh, one was a pretty steep dinner and the other wasn't. And so it was really interesting to see them both be like, oh my God, it doesn't matter like your back knowledge of her. She's just incredible. Like she's just an incredible performer. And yeah. she was just like, she absolutely killed it and had, you know, different sets going on, different themes for different songs. Just so good. And this was uh, closer to, yeah, when she'd um, 
was postpartum close to after she Mm -hmm. had her baby, you know, and she's Mm -hmm. out there doing it. And it was an incredible (laughs) show. So I encourage anyone who gets the opportunity uh, to see Janet Jackson, absolutely go out and do that. Yeah, she was, oh my gosh, just jaw-dropping awesome. I think she did 42 songs. Of course, not in their entirety, but there were 42 songs. Because my trusty set list, I was like, okay, when can I go to the restroom? When can I get a beer? When can I do this? Setlist FM is my ultimate concert planner. And I was like, oh, 42 songs. Cool, we're going to be here for a minute, but man, worth it. Of course, it's Janet, right? Yeah. So yes, Queen Janet forever. And then I also saw literally... So I was visiting Siyoshi uh, in Seattle, saw Janet, got into San Antonio. When it was a Saturday evening at 7 o'clock. Literally got picked up to go to another show. Yes, fresh off the plane. Awesome. It was pretty funny. I'm like, okay, this is what I do. This is what we do, Stephanie, right? We're music enthusiasts, so yeah. we just we, uh, we go see our artists and whenever we can. And so I got to see Tanya Tucker which is, for those that may not know who she is, she is a country all-star legend. She was recently inducted, I believe, into the Country Hall of Fame. Um, And she played in Holotus, Texas, which is just outside of San Antonio. Amazing show. Oh, my gosh. So cool thing about Tanya is that she is all pro woman. She is all about it. If anyone knows anything about her career, she has always been labeled as the rebel um, you know, doesn't give a shit, love it. She brought that presence, that type of attitude to the stage. And she even had her daughter there singing back up. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Really, really cool. And so that's been on my bucket list forever because, you know, she, she sings about the great state of Texas. And I was like, yes, this is, this is one of those, uh, her jams, man. I'm just like so dear to my heart and, uh, and, and my allegiance and love for my state. And so it was really, really good. And I was like, hell yeah, man. I had a good time. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. So, so, so good. I enjoyed that you had that one-two concert punch, Stephanie. I think that's the way to do it. I, Just be I like, did. One concert, yes, I, get off the plane, go to the next concert. Yeah. And two entirely separate modes with two badass women. You know? Yeah. Just, dude. Love yeah. it. Okay, Tiny Tucker was just like off her chain. She has a tequila. <laughs> she was having tequila shots with the crowd. Oh, like, all right, girl. It's so funny. I'm like, fuck yeah, because you're Tanya Tucker and you've been doing this shit since the 70s. Yeah, like, she's so cool. Yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. Damn right <laughs> you can. So I was so happy. And it was so great, too, because it was like the crowd was just full of women. And that it's just it was a different vibe. You know, vibe. Completely different vibe. It was just a lot of fun. I had a great time. And I even <laughs> there was just I mean. I had a good time with people just even talking to people in the bar line. Like, I mean, everyone was just in a really good mood. I love and that. you just could go, yeah, just talking to police strangers. Like, my God, it's hot, but we're here for Tanya. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to burn, but that's all right. We're going to have a yeah. good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here we yeah, go. Tanya. Tanya doesn't play all the time. So, yeah, it was really great. And I feel very fortunate to see both of those tremendous acts. But enough about that, y'all. Let's get into the topic for today. Yeah. Hey, Talk Tuners, we know you saw who we're here to talk about today, and that is Echo and the Bunnymen, the classic Echo and the Bunnymen with The Killing Moon. Oh, 
released in 1984 and it's off their album ocean rain so that was their fourth album it reached number four in the uk it's a great song we're excited to tell you about it Mm -hmm. and uh stephanie i was kind of laughing when i thought about this right i really enjoy that uh we decided to do bad moon rising last episode about ccr and that we're doing the killing moon now i guess it's our unintentional moon-centered miniseries much like our 90s miniseries Uh, i think that's great i'm into it yeah man i was thinking the same thing like what? <laughs> maybe next episode we talk about stevie nicks i'm feeling witchy you know what yeah. is it about the moon, moon. Uh, and the moon i mean okay bad moon rising the killing moon yo what did the moon do to you nothing the moon <laughs> is great like come on all this bullshit like okay i love these songs obviously when we talk about it so i'm just going off on a tangent just thinking about the moon in general because i love walking out and just looking at the moon yeah like yeah you know it's just it's awesome and especially a full moon right when everything if you ever go out to you know some type of remote area and just stargazing if you're able to do that you know get away from the city life for a minute and it's i don't know i love the moon the moon has a lot of good energy you know maybe yeah so maybe that's our subconscious choice of topics and why why we've chosen uh, moon adjacent episodes twice in a row, but you know what? I am down for it. I'm down for yeah. it. I'm into it. Yeah, the moon isn't bad. The moon isn't going to kill you. What did the moon do to you? That's, what did the moon do to you? That's the theme of this episode. <laughs> what did the moon do to Echo and the Bunny Man? This is this is a really yeah. fascinating, fascinating uh, yeah facts gonna... behind the creation of the song and just in the band in general. Yeah, we're gonna get into that for sure. So Echo and the Bunnymen, as talk tuners may or may not know, the Bitter Ensign's actually 1978. So they've been around a minute. They've paid their dues. Oh, my They're God. Just fantastic. Yeah. And they consist of vocalist Ian McCullough, guitarist Will Sargent, and bassist Les Pattinson. And then in 1980, Pete DeFritas joined as the drummer. And this is a really awesome fact. I thought this was really neat. They've actually been called the most successful band to emerge from Liverpool since the Beatles. So really? what an amazing title, right? Like, think about that for a moment. It's yeah. hard to live up to the scope of the Beatles, but Echo and the Bunnymen, you know, it's like, they're the, if you can come in number two to the Beatles, it's pretty good number two, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, I got to look up my geography and stuff. And I think of England and I we know so many, I think of England in general, right? So it's like, yeah. I'm just thinking of the country. I'm like, there's so many great acts. So yeah, I didn't realize, I didn't even know where the Beatles were other than England. So okay, Liverpool, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in good company over here at Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we have uh, lovely Ian over here, lead singer. 
Uh, mm -hmm. They were called as having tout poetic brand of neo-psychedelia, which I thought was really cool. They were bigger in the UK than they were in the US. And mm -hmm. that uh, I think that says a lot for them even to have these numbers in the US. You know, they had these numbers in yeah. the US and we're still doing even better over there in the UK. So I thought that was really neat. And they also disbanded for a little bit. Um, McCullough did his own little solo career, but they came back in 1997. They signed with London Records and they are back with us. So they've really weathered a lot of changes. They're really, really cool. Yeah, they're still touring too. Um, I was doing research for the show, looked them up and they're doing, uh, they're not doing a US leg right now, but they have definitely been doing a lot over the course of, I would say even the course of last past seven years. I've seen them on several different bills. That's awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. And I think about this time with the Killing Moon, right? And how it was so it was so special. It was such a cool song. It was such a moment in time. And part of that too was the music video of the time. And I always like to just give context to how important music videos were uh, when this came out. So this is 1984, and you got to understand it's like music videos was your free commercial on MTV, right? So it was so important that you have that presence on MTV. And Echo and the Bunnymen always did it. And uh, I think they knew the importance of visuals um, even way back then. So for their music video for The Killing Moon, I encourage Chuck Tuners to go find it. It was just so of the time. They did, um, they did a lot with a little, right? It's like we don't need to overproduce this for it to be a really evocative, cool video. It mm -hmm. struck me they look so young and cherubic. <laughs> um, they all look so young. I couldn't get over it. Um, and uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful video to watch. It's like kind of got dark themes. It's very striking. There's a little bit of a Grim Reaper theme in it. And then, of course, All right. for, yeah, because why not? Um, it's the killing moon. It's supposed to kill the killing you. moon. Here it is to kill you. Sometimes things need to be literal. That's 80s videos, too. Yes. You know, this is definitely avant-garde and abstract is what you're, exactly. what you're making it sound like because I've never seen this video. So. Exactly. Right. And it's so exactly. I always think of how videos of the time were so literal, um, kind of hilariously mm -hmm. so. So there's mm -hmm. a little bit of elements of that. There's some random <laughs> scenes that don't make sense. They're either playing cards or tarot cards or something's going on. But uh, it was really fun to watch. And you're kind of like, oh, they're they're cultivating this mysteriousness, right? They're cultivating yeah. Yeah. their little ethos of mysteriousness with the video. So it was really cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. And so, hey, I'm going to be completely honest, too. I didn't discover Echo and the Bunnymen until after the fact and literally in college. So in the early 2000s is when I started to know their catalog and get more acquainted with it because I was going to a lot of goth clubs. So I imagine, you know, speaking from the 80s standpoint, there's so many different shows on MTV at that time, right? Showcasing different genres. So you could get your hair metal, you could get pop, you could get, this would be more into that new wave, dark wave. So I imagine that they were always on 120 minutes. I'm going to put my money on that and go back and see where they made their big splash. Cause that, you know, at, at that time, MTV was just kind of, you know, just kind of subject pocketing different yeah. types of genres and be like, Hey, here's your hour of this. Here's your, you know, whatever of this. So that's awesome. I love that. And of course it had to be a little ominous, you know, it's a killing moon, you know, it is yeah. folks. You just heard the song that too long ago. If you heard it for the first time, it sounds dark. 
and mysterious. Yeah. Oh, so that's great. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. So playing tarot cards, of course. Playing tarot cards, probably in the black room, got the Grim Reaper in the back. Sounds like a party. Yeah, right? It's party all together. And uh, yeah, so it's a fun song. I know you found some really fun little factoids about the song itself. And I was fascinated by it, Stephanie. Yeah, so, okay, this song, yes, extremely mysterious. I had to say, like, what's the meaning of this song? Because any this beauty of music, right? You can interpret it any way you want, unless it was the 80s, and you go and watch a music video, and you'd be like, oh, it's literal. Anyway, so according to um, Ian McCulloch, he said that this song literally is about birth to death, to the eternity from God, whatever that is. And the eternal battle between fate and the human will. It contains the answer to the meaning of life. It's my to be or not to be. Damn. All right. Damn. All right. And it gets better. So this guy literally just woke up and had these lyrics. And he woke up. He didn't even brush his fucking teeth. And he was like, hey, I'm up. Fate. Against my will, got to get this paper down, got to, you know, this is the 80s, y'all, nobody got a fucking phone, let me write this shit down, write this lyrics, okay, okay, <laughs> damn, that's so awesome, right? I don't wake up with brilliant shit like this, money making cash cow shit, that's yeah. awesome, I need that, like, that's great, so I read that, he literally woke up and had these lyrics in his head, and it even gets even better, so he starts writing these lyrics down, and he starts piecing together the actual song. He started playing David Bowie's Space Oddity backwards. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) I'm just going to stop there because, okay, because that song itself is already out there. David Bowie's an alien, rock god. Like, that song is already out there, and you're already hearing it backwards. Okay, cool. That's awesome. And then he started messing around with chords on his guitar, and then by the time he just finished, he was, like, getting, getting that... Inspiration and all of you know all of that uh, you know inspiration and influence from Mr. Bowie, yeah, through Space Oddity and then through the lyrics that he wrote himself, kind of all came together and him putting his own music to it. We get the Killing Moon. That's so cool. <laughs> it kind of gives me chills, right? So it's like he's got this inspiration coming. It's like it feels directly from Bowie in a way, and then also waking up to these specific lyrics and being like, oh man, I got to tune in. I got to write them down. So I'm always really interested to hear um, these brilliant people when they're kind of visited by um, musical muses as it were. Right. It's fascinating. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I waking up, like literally just waking up with these lyrics, fate up against your will through the thick and thin, he will wait until you give yourself to him. Okay. That's very godlike now. All right. right? So now yeah. I'm like, I love that we're having this conversation. I'm having like eureka moments over here. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's so cool. But yes, interpret it the way you want. But this is per Ian. And I think this is beyond genius. Um, super nice. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think that's amazing. And I think, yeah, it points to their longevity, right? It's like, oh, hey, we're going to build a legacy just based on these beautiful songs that are going to stand the test of time, frankly. Um, and- yes what better yeah. than when you're visited <laughs> directly with the lyrics as you're sleeping. Yeah, no shit. And this is also, this song has been in several movies. And the one movie that kicks just the first one up in my brain is Donnie Darko. And yeah. it's the beginning song. You know, when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, if you guys remember the movie, he's literally on his bicycle, a J- young Jake Gyllenhaal, 
going through different hills. Um, and it's so mysterious. It's so that movie's a trip all in itself. Yeah. So, um, hey guys, if this is all new to you, of all these songs and these movies and stuff, I hope you're taking notes. Yeah. Um, so you can really get into the vibe that Stephanie and I are in because we feel each other over this. You know, we can just look at each other and be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I hope yeah. you guys are like on the other end being like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And all of these amazing, um, and you have artists like David Bowie who influenced younger artists at the time, like Echo and the Bunnymen yeah. uh, come together and just knowing, and just again, their own out of the, outside the influences, just their own raw talent. This is, this is great. Yeah. Just fantastic. And it made me think too, Stephanie, how special it was for us to be able to see them and have that memory of being able to actually see them play it was yeah. all the way back. Yeah, it was so cool. It was all the way back in 2006 um, at Auditorium Shores in Austin. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool to see that reunited, you know, band that had been through so much uh, up there just killing it, no pun intended, but uh, killing it with <laughs> Killing Moon and others. And my, I think, most memorable moment of the show is they did a cover of Walk on the Wild Side. Um I'm such a huge Lou Reed fan that I really appreciated hearing that. I thought that was so cool. And then uh, they did Lips Like Sugar. They did more of their hits. But it was so cool to be able to see them out there in this kind of outsized venue, right? And I just love it when bands are able to, like, really fill fill a space, as it were, right? Like, kind of cosmically fill a space. And to be mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, we're a big enough band with a big enough sound and a big enough presence that we can be outside doing this and really put on a show. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was really great and unexpected too. So for South by Southwest, they always do a free show at the end of the music showcase. And so this Auditorium Shores has been the venue for I don't know how long, and it still is. So actually this year, the Zombies played. Um, Just FYI, I had to look it up because I haven't been to South by in a while. And it's like, is this still a thing? And it is, which is great. Some things should just stay, uh, just just stick around, right? Some traditions just need to stick around. And that's awesome. Because by the time, you know, the end of the end of the music showcase, you're pretty cracked out. I mean, however you're going to, right? Exactly. Like you're tired. Yeah. You are tired. Um, If you're making the most out of your time and your money, right? (laughs) You're, you're seeing a lot, you're doing a lot um, and it's great. And then when you get to the tail end, it's nice to be able to be like, yep, a beautiful venue. It's outdoors. It's, you know, for folks that don't know anything about the geography and layout of Austin, it's right on Town Lake on Riverside. Um, so you are seeing like the the main lake. You know, I say the main lakes, there's plenty of them, but that's the one that cuts through town. And um, that's, it's really, really beyond cool. I was so happy to see them. Because I was, yes, I mean, I'm thinking, oh, the golf clubs, this, this, that, and that. But this crowd and for these shows, it brings the community. It brings the masses. So there are definitely people who were in my boat who have been introduced to them, whether that be through music, movies, clubs, whatnot, what have you, right? And then there were people who are just like, I'm going to catch a free show and still have a good time and maybe introduced to new music. And that's the beauty. That's beautiful. Yeah, totally. People in all... Uh, I think aspects of uh, fandom may or may not like have a lot of knowledge, but it's like with mm-hmm. these shows, especially that last free show South by it's like you end up being like, Oh man, I just got introduced um, to this band. They're not uh, familiar with it. And I do feel like that happened during um, the Echo and the Bunnyman show that we saw. Yeah. People were like, Oh man, like they were, you could tell they were 
getting their eyes open and their musical horizons broadened, which is so cool. And I love that that tradition uh, continues to this day over there, even though, of course, so much has changed music festival wise in Austin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all changed. Of course, it has to. But yeah, so good. So good. Auditorium Shores. Still going strong today um, outside of the the South by Free shows. I mean, it, it hosts a lot of different festivals and things. Yeah, and it's regional and national music festivals and um, for being built in 1959. Yeah, I just I always like to call attention to venues where we see things at because I think that's an equal important part of history, uh, even mm-hmm. with goes hand in hand with the history of bands to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest festivals that I went to at Auditorium Shores in general was Fun, Fun, Fun. That had a really good, nice run in Austin for a long time. I've talked about several experiences from that festival um, on the show at different episodes. And, uh, you know, it's it's just, it's a really unique spot. And, yeah. it, and the cool thing is, because you're right in the middle of the city too. And so it's, it's so unique. Like you don't really get that anywhere. Yeah. Such a cool memory, um, and I'm so glad we were able to actually align with them and see them together. It was just the coolest thing. It was just the coolest thing. So I'm so glad. Yeah, see them on the water, right? All mystical because yeah. you know the water is mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everything's mysterious. We didn't see them under a moon though. It was the middle of the day, but that's all right. <laughs> no moon. Still good. Still good. Still good. And talk tuners, we'd love to hear your stories too. If you've seen Echo and the Bunnymen, especially back in the day, we'd love to hear that. Mm-hmm. We know we have listeners who are from uh, all demographics, all ages, all walks of life. We'd love to hear your stories and uh, just reach out to us in any of the formats. And we will uh, uh, put this on the next show. We'd love to discuss it with you. Yes, absolutely, you guys. Check us out uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Stephanie's Talk Tunes. Twitter, Stephanie's Talk, Gmail, Stephanie's Talk Tunes at gmail.com, an easy shortcut to all things Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Simply go to www.stephaniestalktunes.com. Absolutely. And thank you again for rating us on Good Pods. That is super helpful for our visibility. Thank you so much. And also, if you write a short five star review on Apple Podcasts, we will periodically be reading those here on the show. So thank you for those and keep them coming. And we appreciate the support as always. Absolutely. Thank you guys. This is Stephanie Pena and I am out. It's been a great time. See you soon. Stephanie Myers. Thank you. Talk tuners. See you in two weeks. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points. 